the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we have a really special show for you, neighbors. It is, of course, with our guest co-host, Kurt Collins, Colin Kelleher. And he is one of the three authors of Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. And one of his other authors, of course, is George Knapp. And Colm and George also did Hunt for the Skinwalker. So this is an interesting perspective here. What are the Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, an insider's account of the government's secret UFO program? Thank you so much for coming on the Paracast, first of all. Very glad to meet you. And I want to start with something that just came out. So we are both probably fully unacquainted with it, which is from the headline at CNN. Pentagon announces plans to streamline UFO reports and analysis. And I kind of co-titled that. Do we need yet another UFO study group? What's your opinion? Well, from what I've seen of the the news so far, um, I believe that the organization that's going to be a, a part of this UFO study uh, will be sequestered at the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. And my feeling is that it's uh, probably not going to be adequately funded. I was very enthusiastic about uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand's amendment because I felt her amendment really sort of put into focus a much broader aspect of UFO study than I think would be ever possible at this Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. That's just my opinion. Having dealt with a lot of membership of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence over over the years, I'm less than enthusiastic about the announcement. The thing I wonder about here is we have a Pentagon UAP task force. And right. now say, okay, we're not going to have that. We're now going to have the Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group. Now, I just think here... <laughs> Who do they hire to come up with these idiotic names, which is not part of the serious discussion? In fact, just before we started, I'm going to hit you with this, then go into a serious discussion. Kurt came up with one UAP identification group, which would sound great, except it's pronounced UPIG. Right. Yeah, well, that that may actually be a lot more catchy and probably generate a lot more uh, news headlines. So I would tend to go with that. Right. But what is the point of all this? What do they gain by changing the names? Well, I guess the real question is, are they changing the focus and are they changing the personnel? Because I know that the personnel that were involved in the lead up to the June 25th, 2021 um, report uh, were very smart people, very capable people. And I really have no idea of what this whole new announcement means in terms of our personnel getting transferred. Are they getting reassigned? Are new people coming in with no sort of history or background of this? Those questions I have not been, I haven't taken the time this morning to uh, take a look at this yet, but they're mostly the questions I have. The thing I would wonder too is, you stop it. It's like stopping in the middle of your tracks and playing Pentagon musical chairs. Now, we know that this is not the first time they've changed names. Back in the 40s and 50s, we had Project Sign and Project Grudge and then Project Blue Book. And they were playing that game then. 
So is this just repeating the same old game or is this something they think will really get to a point where they can do something serious? Well, I think that that really is the question. Uh, Certainly, there was a lot of activity behind the scenes leading up to the June 25th, 2021 report. But after that, there has been sort of a a couple of announcements. There's been no data whatsoever uh, released. So it may be just a game of uh, musical chairs, but I'm hoping the USDI is not where the music stops. You know, this should take us back to the beginning story here. Now, your book was 2005, I think, Hunt for the Skinwalker, that you and George Knapp did. Now, before we get into the current book and look at the kind of information you provide, wasn't that, as I recall, a focus on strictly the paranormal events at the Skinwalker Ranch that wasn't just UFOs? Well, the Skinwalker Ranch had both. There was both the uh, so-called nuts and bolts, metallic uh, looking objects that were cited by the family who owned the property uh, all the way up to uh, August of 1996, when Robert Bigelow and Nids purchased the property. They had seen uh, what looked like metallic objects, and that was they were co-located with paranormal phenomena and a a lot of inexplicable, weird stuff that happened. After Robert Bigelow purchased the property in August of 1996, uh, the NIDS team were installed on the property, sensors were installed, dogs and animals were on the property too. And um, for the next six years, a lot of research was done. But during that research, I mean, I personally saw what looked like a completely silent aircraft that came right over me um, in, it was November of 1996, came right over me, did a perfect U-turn. This was at night, but it was low enough you could see structure behind the light. So again, we were talking about a nuts and, nuts and bolts object that came right over, did a perfect U-turn and went back north, right over the Skinwalker, what what was called the Skinwalker Ridge, which was the uh, mesa that was going the, the north end of the Skinwalker property. So I saw that. Um, I also interacted with a lot of other weird stuff that I couldn't really explain. Uh, but during the ALSAP program, we had a lot of military uh, intelligence people on the property Uh, One or a couple of those people saw what looked like metallic objects also on Skinwalker Ranch. And then finally, Robert Bigelow sold Skinwalker Ranch in um, March of 2016 to Brandon Fugel, uh, who has been running the Skinwalker Ranch since then for the last five years. And Brandon Fugel has also reported, he's gone on the record, saying that he also has seen these quote-unquote metallic-looking objects, nuts and bolts, crabs. So what we have really with Skinwalker Ranch is a probably a central core of what looked like metallic-looking objects, and then surrounding that core, there's a a litany of unusual activity. Strange-looking animals are, are reported. Cattle mutilations used to occur with alarming frequency on the property, discarnate voices, poltergeist phenomena, 
uh, these unusual orbs of light that used to flit around the properties. So you've got a co-location at the same time as the uh, metallic object uh, UFOs that are seen on the property. So I would not sort of dissociate those two. I would say they're co-located. They're occurring at the same time in the same place. Okay. The big question, of course, we have here is how do we relate skinwalkers in that original book and the progression to the new book to the Pentagon research? Because the Pentagon's not looking for any of that stuff. They're looking strictly for what appear to be metallic objects. Or am I wrong? Well, that goes back to the, uh, the history of the 2008 to 2010 OSAP program, which was a program run from the, funded through the Pentagon. Um, the Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies was a contractor that was hired to execute the Pentagon UFO program. So for 27 months, uh, we executed that program. And right from the get-go, both the um, Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies side, but also the team at DIA mutually agreed upon that we would follow the data, quote-unquote. Colm Kelleher book is Skinwalkers of the Pentagon. A lot more to talk about. Our guest co-host is Kurt Collins. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast dot plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Folks, it looks like food shortages are here and gonna stick around. Supply chains are breaking down, and inflation is back with a vengeance. It's all part of the shortage economy. What used to be unthinkable is now in the headlines. Are you ready? Do you currently have a stockpile of emergency food at home? If not, go to MyPatriotSupply.com today, and you'll find an emergency food kit that's right for you and your family. MyPatriotSupply is the largest preparedness company in America, serving millions of families like yours. Pick up a three-month food kit that stays fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage. The meals in the kit provide over 2,000 delicious calories a day. That's important when you need to survive. Order from MyPatriotSupply.com and your food will ship fast in unmarked boxes to protect your privacy. Don't wait for permission or more empty store shelves. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com now. MyPatriotSupply.com 
Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We've entered a time where sky truly is the limit and opportunity awaits. The Internet has become a platform of everyone's worldwide communications. Billionaires building businesses on platforms that didn't even exist a generation ago. But in the sea of noise, how can the voice of your business be heard? The secret is over 100 years old. Radio, 228% more effective than TV. That's 228% more effective than television. Brick and mortar and cyber businesses alike have found radio to be the most effective for building a brand and delivering customers. Learn the secrets of radio advertising by calling 877-996-4327 or email advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music, ah, oh, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check nhtsa.gov/the-right-seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at nhtsa.gov/the-right-seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, so we're going back to this period column of what, 2008 to 2010. Yes. I don't want to confuse you, but then there was a period of time there, and I think it was before then, where NIDS was contracting with MUFON to do investigations? That was actually, it wasn't NIDS. Uh, NIDS terminated in 2004. The Pentagon UFO program with the Defense Intelligence Agency initiated in September of 2008. So part of that two-year program that is the subject of the book, involved a purchase agreement with MUFON in which MUFON agreed to uh, essentially flow a lot of their best cases to OSAP or BAS. And so BAS and MUFON collaborated very, very closely for about a year during the execution of the OSAP program. All of the money came through the Defense Intelligence Agency, flowed through BAS, and uh, some of that money was used to pay MUFON for access to their their best cases. And it turned out to be a very, very professionally run collaboration. We had uh, weekly teleconferences with the program manager, whose name, I believe, was Richard Lang on the MUFON side, and we had a couple of program managers on the OSAP side, and the relationship was actually very productive. 
Uh, we would go through cases on a weekly basis, and then Bass would task a investigative team to go to wherever these really good cases were, and reports would be written up and they would be submitted to the Defense Intelligence Agency as deliverables for this $22 million contract. The thing I'm worried about here is what I heard tended to be negative. At some point, MUFON and Bass had a falling out. Is that true? Well, I think as time went on, yeah, there was a disagreement about the priorities between Bass and MUFON or OSAP and MUFON. I'm going to use, by the way, during this talk, I'm going to be using OSAP and BAS interchangeably because there is no daylight between those two organizations. BAS was the organization used to execute the OSAP contract. To answer your question, there was a, a disagreement between allocation of resources, uh, but for the majority of the program between BAS and MUFON, um, it was a, an extremely productive arrangement and it worked out really well. I don't know if Jane wants to talk some more about the relationship with, with MUFON, but we kind of skipped over a bit uh, when you, we, uh, we went from the, uh, the Skinwalker book into OSAP. So I happen to know that your co-author had something to do with that. So tell us a little bit about uh, Dr. Lukatsky, uh, who he is, and, and how he came into things. Yes, Dr. Lukatsky was a ballistic missile physicist or engineer that was a DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, analyst for many years. In uh, July, I believe it was early 2007, uh, Lukatsky actually read our George Knapp's book and my book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, and was pretty, uh, pretty interested in what was going on there. So he contacted a friend of his, another Defense Intelligence Agency person whose name is Axelrod, and he's he's uh, named in the book. And both of them were extremely intrigued at the possibility that there was a lot of unusual technology flying unhindered around and over Skinwalker Ranch. So Lekatsky, after discussing with his uh, his internal supervisors wrote a letter to Robert Bigelow, who owned Skinwalker Ranch in 2007. And pretty, pretty soon after that, Robert Bigelow invited Lekatsky onto the ranch. And during that time, Lekatsky was on the ranch for about two hours. And during that time, he was exposed to a sort of a very unusual sighting, a close-up sighting of what looked like a metallic curved device only a few feet away from him in the house of the ranch manager. This had a big effect on Lekatsky um, because he, had not, he was not accustomed to walking into a house and seeing a metallic, weird-looking device appearing in the, in the room. So two hours later, he left the ranch and went back to his colleagues at uh, Defense Intelligence Agency and, and discussed the possibility of Defense Intelligence Agency launching a program to study the kinds of devices that he had just seen. So long story short, Robert Bigelow also got involved and um, Senator Harry Reid, who was the Senate Majority Leader, and two other senators came together and executed a, re a request for proposals that went on the normal website 
for these proposals. Bass answered the, uh, this proposal from the DIA to look at exotic technology, to look at uh, threat analysis of UFOs. So that's how the OSAP program was born. Defense Intelligence Agency received a lot of interest from different organizations, aerospace organizations. But Bass essentially won the contract. Defense Intelligence Agency rejected some of the proposal from Bass, but they accepted about four separate line items in the proposal. And that was how the OSAP program, the two-year program to study UFOs associated with Skinwalker Ranch, but, but also throughout the United States and globally was born. Now, I wanted to ask you something here to kind of clarify this, because I know there's a section in the book about it, which is, of course, we're talking about OSAP and Bass, but the version, the name publicized in that New York Times article was ATIP. Right. Now, but ATIP technically doesn't really do anything. It was OSAP that was doing the work. Yeah, that's correct. One of the main reasons that we decided to write the book, Lekaski decided to write the book, I joined him and George also, George Knapp joined him, was because in December of 2017, the New York Times broke an article about the Pentagon secret UFO program. And they, they essentially said a $22 million program at the Pentagon called ATIP is being or was being funded during 2008 to 2010. That simply was not the case. Um, the fact was the name of the program was OSAP, and ATIP was just a nickname that uh, Senator Harry Reid had used in a letter to De Deputy Defense Secretary William Lynn in order to initiate the process of special access program for OSAP. So it was a nickname that was adopted much later on in, in the Pentagon for a much smaller effort that was focused on military pilot sightings on aircraft carriers, both on East and West Coast. So there was really a mix up from the get go. So for four years between 2017 and 2021, there was this constant media drumbeat about ATIP, this 22 million program. Colin Kelleher is here to talk about what went on with this government program with Gene and Kurt Drin. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. 
That's 833-VITAL-90. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. New concerns about COVID-19 now that a new variant has been discovered and many are concerned it's going to be a fast spreader. Dr. Anthony Fauci telling Weekend Today it would not surprise him if this new Omicron variant is already in the United States. Starting Monday, the Biden administration is closing America's borders to travelers from eight African nations. It was first detected in South Africa, so that's why they're targeting that port of the world for now. Officially, no cases have been identified yet in the United States. The show business world remembering Stephen Sondheim, the Broadway composer and lyricist, died Friday in Connecticut at 91. Barbara Streisand tweeting, thank the Lord Sondheim lived to be 91, so he had time to write such wonderful music and lyrics. And this is USA Radio News. Abortion will be front and center before the Supreme Court again as the high court will hear arguments on Monday that challenge the state of Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban. This case, known as Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, is a challenge to what pro-choice activists have called a blatantly unconstitutional abortion ban. Mississippi's 2018 Gestational Age Act prohibits abortions after 15 weeks. The exceptions do include rape and incest. It's been referred to, though, as a direct attack on Roe v. Wade. SpaceX may have run into a snag when it comes to expanding its Starlink Internet service. According to Reuters, India is asking Starlink to immediately stop booking satellite Internet service in their nation until it has an actual license to operate. Find us online anytime or at usaradio.com. And this is USA Radio News. Extend your life with Extendovite. Extendovite really works. Here are some reviews from Amazon.com. John Hess, 5 out of 5 stars. Awesome. Probably my only review, but at age 40, I was getting bad heart throb and left arm pain mainly before bed. I even stopped smoking and drinking sodas for a month, and that didn't work. After one day of taking Extendivite, it was gone and hasn't returned in three years. I've ordered Extendivite 13 times, so Amazon just said. Juliet Hordick. I've ordered this product before in liquid form. It is fantastic. My whole family's been on it. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend This is Jennifer Stein, executive producer of The Disclosure Dialogues. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, of course, we know the people who did the New York Times article. One, of course, was Helene Cooper, who was the Pentagon correspondent. Leslie Kane, someone I've known for years. Ralph Blumenthal, but they never, column ever corrected this or tried to explain this disparity of the naming? To my knowledge, they did not. And that discrepancy kind of overlaid uh, the four-year sort of uh, media extravaganza that happened since 2017. So the purpose 
for us writing the book was essentially to correct the record that not only was the name wrong, but the actual scope of the program was completely wrong because the only thing that has been reported in four years in the media has been focused only on the uh, Tic Tac sighting, which is the military pilot sighting off the uh, the west coast of, of California in 2004, plus a lot of other uh, UAP sightings that derived from military aircraft pilots, F-18 pilots, both on east and west coasts in um, restricted airspace. So the scope of the OSAP program was much, much larger than that. And again, that was another reason for us to write this book. We we figured that the entire scope of the program orchestrated by the Defense Intelligence Agency was about 95% unreported, 5% was reported. And, uh, you know, obviously we wanted to correct the record. Now, one other question here before we get on. Originally, Senator Harry Reid was among senators who got the funding for this. Senator Reid, we all know, was at that point Senate Majority Leader, a major force in Democratic politics. Robert Bigelow was a friend, but also one of his fundraisers, correct? I know that that there were occasions when he contributed to Senator Reid's campaign, but I would not in any way describe him as a fundraiser, no. Okay, so in the sense, though, is... How did he even get involved in this? Was he fully aware of the work that you guys were doing? He was very, very aware because Lekatsky and the team at DIA began interfacing through the congressional affairs with Senator Reid. So uh, Senator Stevens and Senator Inouye from Hawaii quickly became involved in this. So this became a quote-unquote bipartisan uh, drive very quickly from the get-go. So the, the long and the short of it was that once the money was appropriated, it was put out for absolute sort of straight and narrow. It, w- it was like any other request for proposals that ends up on the website that uh, used to be called uh, FedBizOps, but is now called Sam.gov. You know, bottom line is NASA publishes proposals there, DOE, DOD, um, so the, the DIA proposal went on the web on on the FBO website, and it was answered, you know, as I mentioned, with a lot of expressions of interest from different aerospace companies. So the concept that this somehow was an inside track maneuver was not the case at all. It was a a straight a straight uh, request for proposals. A proposal went in. It was part of it was rejected. Some of it was accepted. And uh, the contract was issued. Colm, I wanted to ask you uh, about what what you said earlier, uh, and this fits fits right in. So you said that there's not much daylight between OSAP and Bass. So tell us some. Um, once the contract, which you know wasn't explicit about UFOs, it was more about aerospace developments and the far term and and things like that. So when that was accepted. Based on the ATIP article that we've read, it sounded like there was a Pentagon office, but was Bass really the program? And uh, Dr. Lukatsky, I mean, was he like a, a handling bureaucratic manners? It sounds like, based on your book, 
did Bass produce all the work? And, you know, was there anything at the Pentagon? Did they contribute anything or did they just receive? Well, they, um, you know, they were involved deeply at, with the genesis of the of the program. And once the once the program was initiated, you know, the actual taskings were, were negotiated between the Bass organization and the Defense Intelligence Agency. Lekatsky and his team were the point people during that negotiations and his superiors. So during that process, there was a lot of give and take. And um, it was decided from the get-go from both the Bass side, but also the DIA side, to study not only the nuts and bolts part of the UFO equation, but also um, any any effects on humans, whether or not it's like physiological effects, medical effects, pathological effects, psychological effects, or any of the effects that are all the way out through so-called paranormal effects. So it was decided from the get-go that not only was this a straight and true UFO program, but it was also going to look at the full scope of UFOs, including their human effects. Now, that's a very messy proposition, uh, and it goes way beyond the normal bureaucracy that you find in, in government. So we happened to hit upon a very enlightened team at the Defense Intelligence Agency. And in answer to your question, did they just receive? No, they set up the entire security infrastructure because there were classified aspects of this program. So they set up the security infrastructure for the buildings that were uh, renovated in Las Vegas and that had to, had to conform to security inspections from the National Security Agency in order to conform to handling uh, secret and top secret uh, material. So in addition, they went through the whole process of making sure that the senior pe personnel in the BAS organization were, um, were exposed to rapid transit security clearances. So there was a lot of work that went in in the first four months of this program to get the security infrastructure in place to make sure that all communications that happened were absolutely above board. Now, I yeah. notice here in the top of the book, it says Department of Defense, Defense Office of Pre-Publication and Security Review. So right. why is that required? And did that impact the book at all? Yeah, this was uh, this was fully required because this is the closest um, that that you will ever come to to an official um, expose of of what the program, what the OSAC program was all about. So in order to do that, um, the book had to be submitted to the Department of Defense for a security review uh, so that any any language in the book um, that was considered too sensitive or too, uh, it, it touched on um, top secret or above top secret issues uh, was, to, was, was to be removed from the book or to be redacted or changed in some way. Secondly, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of um, emphasis to make sure that any medically uh, sensitive information that was in the book was also, uh, you know, edited out to make sure that the identities of people 
uh, were not disclosed with regard to sensitive medical information. And thirdly, there was a, a big focus in the review to make sure that any active du duty um, military people or government people that were involved in the program uh, were identified. That, that was basically uh, the, the, the essence of the security review. Now, this took a, a complete 14 months to go through the various different agencies and departments. We've got more to come, learning the backstory, the things you didn't know, the rest of the story about that Pentagon UAP program. Hmm. Fascinating with Colin and Gene and Kurt, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 
Again, that's toll-free, 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Hey folks, Tom D. for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual, and this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. This is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So let's continue, Colm. It went through a 14-month review. Go on, please. Yeah, the 14-month review was a lot longer than normal, but we were in the middle, obviously, of the coronavirus outbreak. So not a lot of people from DOPSER, which is the acronym for the publication office, were in the office every day. So it took 14 months. It should have taken a lot, a lot shorter. But it went through review at four separate agencies um, who were involved at various parts of this program, including Defense Intelligence Agency. So the book was cleared for publication in May of 2021, and uh, we published it maybe in October, early October of the same year. But it is fully vetted, in other words, by the Pentagon and the Department of Defense. Did you have to make any major changes? We had to uh, redact a lot of material that we had in the book, We had to change the names of a lot of people in the book because a lot of them were still active duty, uh, government officials and military people. Uh, We had had to make sure that there were no sensitive offices or officers identified. So they asked and they got a lot of changes. Um, So so there was nothing of substance that was changed in the book. And to be honest, I was really surprised that Appendix 1 in the book uh, was not altered because Appendix 1 is a line-by-line description of over a 100 separate reports, including the titles and the contents of those reports that were submitted by Bas Ossap to the Defense Intelligence Agency as deliverables for this um, for this twenty two million dollar program, so over the course of twenty twenty seven months, and that includes twenty four months of program plus three months no cost extension, uh, there were over a hundred separate reports that were delivered to the Defense Intelligence Agency, and all of those reports are itemized in detail in uh, Appendix One. I was really surprised that. Um, all of that, all of that level of detail made it into uh, the book. 
Now, the project itself, how did this impact your job in terms of security requirements and everything? I went through and, and many of the senior people at BAS, my, my function was to uh, manage the day-to-day operations at BAS in Las Vegas. I was the person who connected and contacted with Dr. Lekatsky at Defense Intelligence Agency. So we would be on telephone calls and site visits, but telephone calls at least once, maybe twice a week, and then site visits every few months. So we were in very, very close contact. So um, the the security infrastructure was put in place very quickly for for the program in Las Vegas. And that includes um, accreditation processes for the buildings and then security clearances for the personnel. Now, we hear a lot of publicity here about people who may have been involved in this, like Luis Elizondo who right now, of course, in his retirement, is running around preparing a book, doing media appearances. Did you interact with him? Yes, we did. Actually, one of the, uh, one of the chapters in the book, we, we talk about um, this uh, lengthy dinner that occurred in a, uh, a Washington, D.C. restaurant where Lekatsky's team and teams from other agencies, there were, there were interagency um, experts assigned, uh, loosely assigned to this program. And so everybody met for dinner in this Washington restaurant. We were discussing, you know, sensor applications on Skinwalker Ranch. Lou Elizondo was one of the people that were, was at that dinner as a part of the uh, USDI. He was a subject matter expert uh, in counterintelligence for USDI. So this was back in uh, I think it was summer 2009. So this was, what, eight years before he retired from USDI, eight years before he went, you know, became part of the New York Times expose. So Lou Elizondo was part of, of the, uh, the Washington, D.C., East Coast part of the, of the team. He was not involved in any of the investigations, but he was part of the counterintelligence part of the uh, of the OSAP program. Was he a leader of any sort? Not in our program, no. But um, as time went on, um, I understand that his um, his relationship with the UAP continued beyond the termination of the OSAP program. The OSAP program terminated in December of 2010. So I know Lou Elizondo went on, you know, for many years afterwards, and he was part of a small effort at the Pentagon. Okay, did you release a final report to the Pentagon from the work of OSAP? Yes, we did. And it was, it was um, essentially a focus on whether or not the data supported um, designating UAPs or UFOs as threat. And um, the bottom line that we came to was that uh, UFOs are medically dangerous sometimes and they cause physiological, pathological and medical injuries. But there's no way that there's enough data to classify them as a threat. Um, One of the things that we came to in many discussions with the uh, with the uh, DIA and with other organizations in the Pentagon was that 
in order to designate threat, you've got to have two components. And one is capability and the other is intent. And we had a lot of data on what UFO capable, capability was, but we had zero data on what the intent was. So we were not able to designate UFOs as a threat. We were able to designate UFOs as a threat to human health. But, you know, that, that presupposes a whole bunch of unanswered questions. Like, for example, if people are injured, and we documented several cases of U UFO injuries during the OSAP program, if people are injured, is it because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time? Or is it because they're deliberately attacked by, you know, quote unquote UFO? There was no indication in terms of agenda throughout all of the data that we looked at that, that UFOs were a threat. Now, this brings up some cases earlier on in the UFO field. Don't know if you were familiar with them. One that Kurt has studied into for quite a while is the Cash Landrum case from the 1980s, where there was the possibility of what seemed almost like radiation poisoning. And then, of course, the Rendlesham Forest UFO encounter in the UK. Are you familiar with those cases? Yes. Yes, I am. Were the physiological effects similar to what you folks discovered? Actually, um, in the Cashlandrum case, um, a lot of the physiological effects had some overlaps with what we uh, what we found. Also, yeah, there was there was um, there was a, a particular case. I'll give you an example of what we ran into. Um, there was a biotechnologist. Um, who was driving with his daughter in Oregon um, when he noticed, uh, or she noticed, actually, the passenger noticed, there were three small UFOs that were moving around in the field beside them. And once she saw them, they, they, these three objects came right in uh, towards the car. Two of the objects entered the car. One of them went right across the windshield. One of the objects entered the driver's left shoulder went through his body and exited out his right shoulder. And um, during that process, you know, he felt pretty weird. But within a couple of days, uh, he noticed that he had intense sunburn on the left side of his face. His eyes started watering. His ear, he lost the, uh, the, the use of his hearing. And then his hair started falling out on the left side of his head. Um, and he went through a whole process that ended up that he had a rare form of ductile cancer that luckily was not metastatic cancer, but he, he had to be treated. And uh, he went through a litany of medical injuries um, that that were ascribed to this this particular case. So in, in many ways, the sort of uh, the classic way of interpreting those injuries that he got was some form of non-ionizing radiation, um, which has a lot of overlap with what, what a couple of the people at Cash Landrum ran into. Colin Kelleher is talking with us, giving us some information that you never heard before. Folks, with Gene and Kurt, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, 
I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Diarco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus doesn't grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. That's Shop, S-H-O-P, Super, S-U-P-E-R, T-T-E-A, dot com. So the complete website is ShopSuperTea.com. Or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, California time. That's ShopSuperTea.com at 818-984-6100. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, Kurt, I think I've hit your area of expertise here since you studied the Cash Landrum case so extensively. You have some questions for Colin? There are so many. In fact, I'm wondering if this needs to be a two-part show, but one, one thing I think we should mention is we talked about OSAP, but I don't think we ever defined it. So it stood for Advanced Aerospace Weapons Systems Application Program. Now, that makes me think the military purpose in this was to develop weapons. So, so Colm, what interested them about Skinwalker and the paranormal aspect. I mean, you mentioned the UFOs, but so what What was it they were looking for and hoped to get out of it? Well, the original intent from the DIA perspective was to analyze the technology that was encountered around Skinwalker Ranch, but also throughout the United States under the rubric of UAPs to analyze that from a threat perspective to see if the technology was considered a threat uh, to national security. Secondly, the the intent was also to study the performance of this technology and to see if the technology was worthy of uh, either advanced physics or translating that into advanced engineering. But the genesis of, of the DIA program was an interest in the technology that was being deployed. And, and so the human effects, now, you mentioned 
the sensors that you had and the, uh, the the fact that we're animals. Okay, well, I did want to ask about the sensor, but that reminds me, the data that you gathered, gathered and we spoke recently to um, Jacques Vallée was on the show, and he talked about the work that he did for the program very briefly. He mentioned that there was a a, a data warehouse or data, he mentioned Project Capella. So can, can you tell us about the kind of data that you collected and you know, what format was that? Yeah, uh, the Capella um, data warehouse was actually what uh, Jacques Vallée um, and, and his group, I suppose, were contracted by OSAP Bass in order to design uh, and, and uh, execute what he called a, a, a data warehouse. Data warehouse was essentially an amalgam of 11 separate databases on uh, UFOs that were under one roof. And the idea was that to incorporate all of, of the physical characteristics of UFOs into this database, but also incorporate, um, as I mentioned, all of the human effects. So the data warehouse was an amalgam of multiple different levels of analysis that had to be undergone in order to complete uh, what Jacques Vallée had designed. And it was actually a very intricate, very large uh, database that, that, that occurred. And uh, it had six separate levels. And the purpose of this was to make sure that not only UFO performance was documented, but also the effects of UFOs on humans. So uh, things like psychological effects were documented, physiological effects, and then even effects on, on what we would call paranormal activity in the environment of people. And, you know, I have to emphasize that one of the, I think, breakthroughs that OSAP made was the discovery that in order to get the kind of psychic and psychological and paranormal effects um, into the database, you had to really follow these people for not a couple of weekends, but for weeks and months and sometimes years. And so you obviously need a lot of resources in order to accomplish that. And that was the real beauty of the OSAP program. We had the resources, we had the personnel, and we were able to follow, in some cases, these medical injury cases over several months, if not years. So the data warehouse was the end point in all of what we were doing. Um, everything that was done was documented and um, input into these multiple different databases that collectively was called the data warehouse. Did you determine at all how close you had to come to a UFO to suffer from any of these effects? Uh, we didn't have enough data. We didn't have enough cases to determine uh, distance, you know, whether, you know, people were at 100 yards away or 150 yards away. But we did document that in some cases, you know, people were, were at, at a distance and still got injured. So we didn't come down with a specific distance, uh, but we did document multiple uh, injury cases and all of those cases were inserted into the database. Now, the, the data warehouse also, as I'm sure uh, Jacques Vallée had, had talked about, was comprised of a whole bunch of different 
sources of information, including military pilot sources and, um, you know, civilian pilot sources. Uh, there was a, a the full database that had been created during the years of the National Institute for Discovery Science, which occurred between 1996 and 2002. That entire database was uh, was utilized in the OSAP data warehouse. And we're talking somewhere less than 2,000 cases, but they had been well analyzed and well investigated. So part of what was being done during the, the data warehouse program was we hired about 10 separate individuals. Um, some of them were program managers. Some of them were data analyst people. Some of them were computer science people. Some of them were translators because we were looking at cases in France and cases in Brazil, cases some in some cases, cases in Russia or in Soviet Union. So collectively, we had about 10 people working full time on this database for the two year duration. So it was a pretty massive project. And, and it was um, we believe that it was a very, very good beginning for a, um, a pretty good analytical database of UFO performance and UFO effects. Okay, this ends in 2010. What happens from there? It ended in 2010. All of the, the database in both electronic format and, and other formats were delivered to the Defense Intelligence Agency. All of the different reports that had been done, all of the investigations were summarized both electronically and in paper copy. All of those were delivered to the Defense Intelligence Agency. So all 100 plus reports are still sitting in the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency. All of them um, were, were, like I said, were, they were delivered uh, before December of 2010. Oh, we need to talk about that. So uh, when, uh, when Senator John McCain, uh, as part of his committee, asked um, the Defense Intelligence Agency to list all the products, you know, everything that ATIP produced. They produced the list of the 38 studies that are the Defense Intelligent Research documents, and, and that was all. And, and first of all, they credited that to the Pentagon considers ATIP OSAP for whatever reason. They don't differentiate them, and uh, probably because Senator Reid's letter. But yeah. You mentioned that there's over 100. So can you speculate why they would only list those 38 of all those other reports? Yeah, I think um, I think what happened was um, the ATIP um, OSAP mix up has carried carried on through into the Pentagon um, and um, the 38 papers, the, what you mentioned, the DIRDs, were actually OSAP products. They had nothing to do with ATIP. So but even from the get-go, a fundamental mischaracterization had occurred in the defense, you know, the DOD. So the Pentagon actually mixed up the names themselves, probably because they were reading the media out in the open literature, and uh, they mixed it up completely. The 38 DIRDs were OSAP products. They were delivered to Defense Intelligence Agency as OSAP products, and they're listed in Appendix 1 of our, our book as OSAP products. Column and Gene and Kurt, you're in the Paracast. <laughs>
Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. Have you ever thought about turning your Glock, XD family, or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine? It only takes about 30 seconds. The MacTech carbine upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So until this book came out here, Colin Kelleher, the book entitled Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, an insider's account of the government's secret UFO program, Basically, none of this stuff had been revealed at all. Now, the Pentagon UAP task force that we all heard about, it mentions, of course, nothing about physiological effects at all. Now, where did that come out of? Well, there's a long history of the small unit located at the Pentagon that that called itself ATIP um, in the sort of 2015 to 2017 era Lou Elizondo then emerged in, in, at the end of 2017 and the, with the New York Times article. So the, a lot of the, the genesis of the UAPTF, the so-called task force, was as a result of a lot, um, a lot of input from the original OSAP program, aided and embedded by what was going on at, in this small Pentagon unit that was later called ATIP. Uh, so, but a lot of the expertise that was associated with the UAP task force, and I'm talking about the first generation UAP task force, it, before it actually became public, um, all of those people, uh, or a lot of those people, especially the leadership, had worked in the OSAP program back in 2008 to 2010. And but the uh, the UAPTF has gone through, you know, several iterations. Leadership has changed. Some of the personnel have left. Some of the some new personnel have come in, but the UAPTF does have a lot of the origins in the OSAP program. And you know, one of the interesting things that we recently found out is that this massive Capella database data warehouse that was generated as part of as a deliverable during the OSAP era is actually being used by the uh, UAPTF and uh, we, we know that uh, it's and it's considered uh, quite a useful uh, resource because it has so many components it's very very modular and there's, it's very easy to layer an in- interrogatory layer on top of the data warehouse that was created during the OSAP program and we've had sort of straws in the wind you know chatting with people um, in the in the last couple of years to indicate that the OSAP database is actually a very useful tool. And another question about uh, about the program. I think there's some things that you probably want to tell us that we haven't asked about. But so um, one thing, though, we, we were talking about Luis Elizondo, and, and of course, the story broke in relation to the promotion of the organization to the Stars Academy, and. Right. Uh, you're briefly linked with that. So uh, can you tell us what you were doing and what your role was there? I had a lot of interactions with the membership of TTSA just after it was formed. Uh, my background is in biochemistry and cell biology and uh, bio- biotechnology. So they were looking for people to be on their science advisory board who had expertise in different fields including biological and biochemical. So uh, I agreed to join the, uh, the TTSA organization um, as a sort of biotech 
advisor, so to speak. And I did interact with uh, some of the membership of TTSA um, during the, you know, the early times uh, when it was when it was first launched. So what happened with that? It seems like people left and the organization technically still exists, but. Yeah, I, I, my understanding, because I, I, I bowed out quite a while ago, but my understanding is that the, uh, the different priorities that were under the general TTSA umbrella um, were, were sort of getting too, you know, too unlike each other in order to be, you know, fundamentally part of the same organization. So um, I think the different priorities just were not able to meld and they essentially uh, disintegrated. Well, one other question was, uh, now, there was some personnel, there was some overlap from, uh, now, NIDS, we talked about earlier, that was National Institute of Discovery Science that was uh, uh, created created and funded by Robert Bigelow. And, of course, BAS was Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Studies. Um, So, he was through this, and some of his same personnel, personnel yourself included. Right. Was there a relationship between these organizations and to the stars because some of the same people were involved? Um, the answer to that is no. There was no relationship between um, Bass or the people that that came out of Bass um, and TTSA. I joined as a, like I said, uh, as a science advisory. Capacity. Robert Bigelow had no relationship at all with uh, with uh, TTSA. Um, I, I I know that uh, Hal Putoff uh, had been a member of the uh, NIDS Science Advisory Board uh, during the, the 1996 to 2004 era. Um, he was also a founding member, or certainly a very close knit member of TTSA. But that was the extent of the overlap. There was really no sort of uh, back and forth between, um, you know, the the old people at Bass and TTSA. And, uh, well, so we have lots more questions for you, but um, what have we not touched on that's important from your, your new book? What, what would you like to tell us about that? Well, I guess, um, you know, one of the... Uh, I would say probably the most famous UFO case in the world uh, is the so-called Tic Tac case, you know, and um, the the case where multiple F-18 pilots and multiple sensors on the the USS Nimitz carrier strike group uh, were involved in this very sort of in-your-face close encounter with this this strange-looking... Uh, non-aerodynamic-looking object. Um, so the the OSAP program actually was the um, was the the program that first started investigating this uh, Tic Tac case all the way back in 2008. And the, how it came to happen was um, I was recruited by um, the uh, Robert Bigelow uh, to be. Uh, essentially the program manager of the OSAP program in Las Vegas. And so my initial task was to start hiring people as fast as possible because we needed to get this program off the ground. 
So over the span of probably four months, between uh, November of 2008 and April of 2009, I, I conducted about 300 separate interviews uh, for different, different people, everything from military intelligence people to investigators to PhD level scientists, master's degree scientists, engineers, you know, physicists, biologists, uh, security officers. And so the first, the first hire I made actually was an F-18 pilot who walked in the door and he had the perfect credentials for a program manager. Column and Gene and Kurt, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack, focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. Starting Monday, the Biden administration is closing America's borders to travelers from eight African nations, hoping to slow the spread of a new and concerning COVID variant. The White House and the CDC say no cases of that variant have yet been identified in the United States, though Dr. Anthony Fauci says it's likely already here. Meanwhile, Israel is banning all foreigners from entering that country as part of its effort to stem the spread of the new Omicron variant. Those new restrictions kick in at midnight Sunday, just after the start of Hanukkah. They're expected to last for at least 14 days. LA area seeing another case of a mob of masked thieves looting a retail store, this time a Home Depot in LA County. This man works there, says he tried to stop them. We closed the the front um, entrance and they put their sledgehammers up, like whoever got in the way they were going to hurt them. USA Radio News. Police in Beverly Hills are dealing with a standoff situation involving at least one suspect currently in a van. Officers responded to the call after 6 p.m. local time about a van driver acting suspiciously near Wilshire Boulevard and Spalding, and the driver left the scene as officers approached, but they ended up blocking an intersection, and he's now been stopped, and a SWAT and bomb squad remain on the scene. A tragic story out of Minnesota where a five-year-old boy is dead, accidentally shot, according to police, killed when a group of teens found a rifle in a garage. They decided they'd make a video for social media where they were using the rifle, but without intending to hurt anyone, police say the teenager, a 13-year-old, was handling the gun, and it went off, fatally shooting the five-year-old in the head. It was canceled last year because of the pandemic, but the annual Hollywood Christmas Parade is coming up tonight. This is USA Radio News.
Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to The Paracast. So you're telling us here, Colm Kelleher, about the hiring process. Within 10 minutes of this interview for this program manager, because we needed to hire some senior people, this F-18 pilot uh, came in very well qualified. So I had made the decision to hire him pretty well immediately. At the very end of uh, of the interview, he said, oh, by the way, you know, I'm an F-18 pilot. I was involved in the uh, in, in the USS Nimitz, and he kind of went through the whole case of how he and others, other F-18 pilots, had been vectored to this uh, unusual UAP that had been associated with the carrier strike group, the Nimitz carrier strike group off the coast of San Diego back in 2004. So, this program manager who I had already hired, dropped this bombshell on me at the end of the interview. So the first thing I did um, was I, I called uh, Dr. Lekatsky at Defense Intelligence Agency and said, look, we should investigate this case. So he called, Lekatsky called Axelrod, who was in the book, as the main investigator of the Tic Tac case. And so lo and behold, Axelrod sort of launched a really thorough investigation in early 2009 that took several months he interviewed all of the pilots uh, of the F18s that had interacted with the Tic Tac he also interviewed a lot of the radar operators on the USS Princeton uh, that had been involved in the incident and so by mid to late 2009 Axelrod and his team had put together a pretty comprehensive report on the Tic Tac incident and that report is actually one of the 100 plus reports that were delivered to the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency as a part of this of uh, this OSAP program so you know 8 years later we come around and uh, the New York Times break this breaks this article and suddenly the public gets to hear about this uh, these F18 incidents uh, but those incidents would never have seen the light of day except for the OSAP program. It was a fundamental sort of major investigation that occurred in the OSAP, uh, during the OSAP program. I have a very interesting question here. With the Tic Tac sightings, we've covered them extensively in the PowerCast. Any of the personnel, I don't know if you can even tell us, any of the personnel suffer from some of those physiological effects? Well, I mean, there are two parts of that, that answer, this answer, I guess. 
Number one is I would not be able to divulge that because of the um, of the agreements that we uh, had under the Dopser Act, you know, the Dopser agreement to release this book because uh, any medical effects would would not be uh, reportable in the in this situation. Um, secondly, for any of the Tic Tac pilots to actually report physiological effects would be essentially career suicide because anybody who reports anything like that in terms of physiological, pathological, psychological effects is automatically grounded. They're not able to fly anymore. Um, they're, they're subjected to psychological examinations. So any Tic Tac pilot that would ever report this would be out of their minds because it would be terminating their career and probably actually undermining their security clearances. So I would say the chances of a Tic Tac pilot actually reporting that would be slim to none. You would think, though, that if they suffered serious effects, it would impact their careers anyway. Wouldn't their yeah. doctors want to know, how did you get this? Where were you? Yeah, that is, that is the case. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned, what's in the book um, regarding that case is as far as I'm allowed to go. I, I'm still operating under a couple of non-disclosure agreements. Well, can we uh, can we go back to Skinwalker Ranch for just a moment? Because, of course, that's in the title of the book, and it's how this all got started. So yeah. um, were there investigations at the time that uh, the program started, or were they active? And then afterwards, what did uh, what did the military or, or OSAP, what did they what new things did you set up there? Well, we we deployed um, a lot of uh, sensors on the property. Uh, we we had electromagnetic uh, radiation detectors. We had radio frequency detectors, multiple different frequencies. We had optical sensors. Uh, we had acoustic sensors. We had uh, obviously a lot of uh, round the round the clock surveillance, and we also had a lot of portable sensors that people could take out in the field on Skinwalker Ranch and measure things like um, 35 separate elements in the soil just by, um, just by you know, rapid analysis. So we had a lot of uh, technology. We had a lot of sensors. We also had Generation 3 night vision uh, technology. We had infrared uh, heat signature technology. So we deployed a lot of different um, sensors on this on the skinwalker ranch um but uh one of the really striking findings that we found was that um during the course of these uh interactions with washington dc we had five separate um individuals from different intelligence agencies and military military people deploy on the property at different times uh, to reconnoiter and to uh, evaluate uh, sen sensor activity and also sensor future sensor placements. And all five of those uh, individuals, five out of five, 100% of those individuals had interactions with the so-called paranormal um, on, on Skinwalker Ranch. And not only that, uh, once they flew back to their homes on the East Coast, whether it be in uh, Virginia or in uh, Washington, D.C., 
all of them brought something home with them. In other words, uh, once they got on, got into their homes, their families in the home started experiencing um, a lot of uh, strange uh, humanoid black shadows in their houses, um, poltergeist, poltergeist activity, uh, strange orbs flying around the home. Um, some of the kids started getting uh, injured through orb activity. And the really strange thing that occurred was that um, not only did the family members um, experience this strange activity that erupted immediately after, you know, the person got home, um, but also neighbors and school friends started reporting bizarre activity in their homes, you know, seeing strange creatures outside or seeing, quote unquote, blue orbs flying around in, in their houses and outside their houses. So the long and the short of what we found with the military contingent that were on Skinwalker Ranch was that 100 percent of them brought something home with them. And so, you know, this terminology has sort of now entered the vernacular where where uh, the hitchhiker effect is is used as a descriptor of the uh, of the activity but we found that that was the case in many many situations not only those five military personnel uh, had this this effect but also multiple uh, we had uh, round the clock security officer uh, security officers on the property that were there, there to discourage uh, trespassers. Um, all a lot of those security officers also brought stuff home with them. So um, this so-called hitchhiker effect um, is described very closely in the book. Um, and one of the you know one of the hypotheses that we put out was that you know this hitchhiker effect had some of the overlaps of an infectious organism. It behaved like an infectious organism. In other words, the person on Skinwalker Ranch or elsewhere who would first contract this would bring something into their own homes and their spouse or their children would, would start, you know, seeing, seeing all this stuff in their homes. And then it would go out into the neighborhood or into the, the local school and kids and the school friends and neighbors would start experiencing this. Colm Kelleher is telling us basically the UFOs may be dangerous to your health. Hmm. With Gene and Kurt, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors. Find out 
out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. It may feel like age is just a number, but the fact is, even if you're healthy and active, your immune system weakens as you get older. And if you're 65 or older, you're at an increased risk for potentially serious illnesses like pneumococcal pneumonia. One way to help protect yourself is to get immunized against vaccine-preventable diseases like pneumococcal pneumonia. Dr. Jorge Gomez shares more on behalf of the American Lung Association. Pneumococcal pneumonia is a potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can disrupt your life for weeks. Adults 65 or older are over 10 times more likely to be hospitalized with pneumococcal pneumonia than adults 18 to 49. You may also be at increased risk if you have certain chronic health conditions such as asthma, diabetes, or heart disease. If you're 65 or older, vaccination can help prevent pneumococcal pneumonia. This flu season, visit lung.org slash pneumococcal and talk to your doctor or pharmacist about pneumococcal vaccination. I represent low-cost airlines, and we know a lot of you are not traveling right now, and we understand. However, if you do need to travel between now and the end of the year, now is a great time to lock in some of the lowest prices we've seen in a lifetime. Hey, in normal times, we can save you up to 75%, but now airlines are practically giving away seats. We have inside deals on over 500 airlines. Here are a few sample round-trip deals we found. Seattle to Vegas, $35. Chicago to Atlanta. Los Angeles to Atlanta, $100. Of course, there are some limitations, but the airlines want your business right now. And cancellation and change fees are flexible. So fly somewhere this year, book now, save a ton, call right now. 802-341-4535. That's 802-341-4535. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we continue with that column, Kelleher. You're telling me here that it's almost like a contagious disease. Does that say that maybe a lot of the phenomena that's been reported is something mental, that they suffer from this disease and it creates hallucinations? Well, that would be the case, except that in many, in many of the cases that we looked at, there were also physical effects in the home. 
Um, you know, for example, in one of the homes, several wine bottles flew off the shelves and slammed into the uh, into the wall and broke in the kitchen. In another case, there was a weird creature uh, outside the home near a tree. And, um, you know, the family came out the next morning and there were claw marks all over the tree as if, you know, some animal had clawed on the tree. There were there were several instances where there were actual physical effects. One of the teenagers in one of the homes that experienced this woke up with a whole bunch of really bad red welts and bruises on his body and had to be actually uh, his mother had to bring him into the uh, the medical facility to get him looked at after a night of of these uh, uh, interactions with orbs following you know something that had happened on the ranch. So these were not just kind of hallucinations; they were happening in a very physical way in the in the homes of these uh, of these individuals. I realize from here that you can't tell us what happened with the naval personnel that saw the UFOs. But from the way you're saying it, I kind of have a feeling here you may already be telling us in some way. But strictly speaking here, this creates a whole new picture that we've got here, a phenomenon that can cause physical effects, mental effects, cause people to maybe go crazy. As a result of this, we have all this physical phenomena. And one of the big criticisms we make of UFO organizations is they look at the sighting as a separate thing. Here it is. We see something like you see an airplane, except that's a strange kind of flying thing. And they never go into this other aspect of it, which is possible physical effects. Exactly. I think you've summarized it really well. I mean, one of the main lessons learned from the OSAP program was that you cannot just go and interview a witness for a weekend and say, okay, well, what did the craft look like? Uh, what was the propulsion system look like? What was the performance like? And then you just go home after the case. What we found in the OSAP program is that if you spend, you know, weeks and if sometimes months and in a couple of cases, years with these people and you get them to open up to, you know, they get get to trust you uh, over time. You know, you, you, you monitor their medical condition over time. But during that period of time, you know, that they do have these after effects of the close encounters. And that those after effects are very meaningful to a lot of these people. I'm not saying this happens in 100% of the cases. I'm saying that in the cases that we followed over many months or, and in some cases years, it was very obvious that it happened. And I should also mention that this effect, this so-called hitchhiker effect, was not just confined to Skinwalker Ranch. You know, for example, the case that I mentioned earlier where the individual was uh, was subjected to these blue objects that entered the car and one of them entered his body. Well, it turns out that his daughter was, you know, in Oregon, uh, back home from college on the East Coast. She went back to her household in uh, Connecticut, I believe it was, uh, to go back to college. And all of her roommates uh, experienced these strange effects uh, that suddenly erupted in their house. They were hearing strange noises in the house. Doors would slam. They'd hear footsteps on the stairs. They'd wake up and there'd be uh, these humanoid-looking creatures standing over their beds. There was a whole lot of these uh, activities that happened after this effect. And 
These individuals had been nowhere near Skinwalker Ranch. But again, the bottom line in this whole thing is that if you carry these investigations over many months instead of just a couple of weekends, you will unearth these human effects that are long lasting and they do have dramatic effects on the lives of these people. We're talking here almost like a contagious disease then. It certainly has. It has some overlap with uh, with what what a contagious disease, how a contagious disease would operate. You know, um, I have a background in studying viruses, and yeah, I I kind of recognize the overlaps pretty quickly because you know you've got the primary case, for example, on Skinwalker Ranch, the primary person's so-called infected brings the organism or whatever it is back to his family. His family start displaying symptoms and then friends of the kids start displaying symptoms and uh, neighbors start displaying symptoms. So it does behave as if there is an infectious process going on. And, you know, as somebody who has studied viruses, it's very intriguing to me in a future study of the UFO topic, would there be sufficient resources allocated to doing these kinds of long-term, uh, many months and sometimes years follow-up on people. And if you if you had sufficient number of people, um, you know, beyond the small number of people that were studied during the OSAP program, if you had sufficient number of people that were uh, being studied, you might actually get some interesting data out of that. This almost may be an alien virus of some sort, even though it has effects that we can't imagine. Maybe it interacts with parts of our brain that we don't understand. Well, yeah, I mean, I would say that the number of cases that we've looked at are too small. But, but, you know, from the OSAP study, the effects and the dynamics of what happened in this so-called hitchhiker effect are definitely worth studying on a much larger, larger group of people, um, you know, I, I think um, the biology and the psychology should be really closely looked at. And I think that was one of the lessons learned that we took out of the OSAP program. You know, we've got to study these people over long periods of time, as opposed to just looking at the, the nuts and bolts performance of these craft. Now, of course, we're taking it back to what's going on now with this latest iteration of the Pentagon UFO Research Musical Chairs. Of course, they don't mention anything about physical effects. And the question I would have here is, do they dare? Because I think if they mention something like that, you could cause a panic. People could say, well, E.T. is invading us and causing all this to happen. Well, you know, one of the really interesting things that um, that I found that came out of uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand's amendment to the, uh, the the Defense Authorization Act, which I believe is going to be passed sometime after Thanksgiving, but she wrote up this amendment, you know, to set up this task force as part of the the Pentagon thing, and you know, she in in the amendment. She used words like conducting field investigations. Uh, She used words like adverse physiological effects should be studied. You know, and she also used uh, health-related effects. Those, the the, the wording in the Gillibrand Amendment, in my opinion, 
went far beyond anything in terms of sophistication uh, that would be sort of uh, possible in the in the uh, the Pentagon view of of studying UFOs. So I I was quite surprised to see that language in the amendment. I'm hoping that the amendment will survive in the uh, you know in the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, which will eventually hopefully be passed sometime in the next couple of months, because if that men amendment makes it in and becomes law, um, it's going to be a uh, really interesting scenario where um, maybe things like human effects might actually be studied. Uh, and that's something, frankly, that even three months ago, I would never have suspected. I've read some material that suggests that uh, the senators are getting some pretty good information on this. Are you aware of any um, activists or lobbyists that are providing with some UFO and, and paranormal information to support the, what the project might be con comprised of? How about we hold that question to our next segment because we've got to do our break. But it's something that will take a while for you to answer. So I think that's the fairest way to treat it. Again, the book is called Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, an insider's account of the government's secret UFO program. Our guest is one of the co-authors, Colm Kelleher. First time on the Paracast, but as you see, we'll have a lot more to talk about with Gene and Kircher in the Paracast. <laughs> listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. It may feel like age is just a number, but the fact is, even if you're healthy and active, your immune system weakens as you get older. And if you're 65 or older, you're at an increased risk for potentially serious illnesses like pneumococcal pneumonia. One way to help protect yourself is to get immunized against vaccine-preventable diseases like pneumococcal pneumonia. Dr. Jorge Gomez shares more on behalf of the American Lung Association. Pneumococcal pneumonia is a potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can disrupt your life for weeks. Adults 65 or older are over 10 times more likely to be hospitalized with pneumococcal pneumonia than adults 18 to 49. You may also be at increased risk if you have certain chronic health conditions such as asthma, diabetes, or heart disease. If you're 65 or older, vaccination can help prevent pneumococcal pneumonia. This flu season, visit lung.org slash pneumococcal. 
and talk to your doctor or pharmacist about pneumococcal vaccination. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, Colm, here's your chance to answer Kurt's question. Go ahead, please. Well, I guess, you know, if, if I was allowed to speculate and fantasize, I would speculate that, you know, maybe uh, one of the staffers in, in, in the office, Senator Gillibrand's office, may have read Skinwalkers at the Pentagon because Appendix 2 in the, in the book lays out exactly that same kind of program and it talks about creating a UAP program to conduct field investigations. It also has a medical department to conduct long-term effects, medical effects, physiological effects, pathological effects. So if I had to sort of fantasize and speculate, I would say, you know, maybe somebody read Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. I also know that um, the people who were involved uh, certainly in the early stages of the task force are some very smart people who are more than aware of some of these more sort of esoteric effects on human beings uh, as it relates to UFOs. So it may be that some of the Senate staffers on the um, Armed Services Committee or the Senate Intelligence Committee are actually getting briefed by members behind the scenes and the, these people actually are giving them the whole picture instead of the sort of the narrow rifle shot of the sensor driven uh, just performance characteristics of the technology. It may be that, you know, that uh, these uh, staffers, Senate staffers are getting educated. I, I had a follow up question on on something you mentioned earlier. Clearly, the this this new effort is aware of this and interested. You had studied Skinwalker Ranch for about six years before the OSAP program. I think a lot of these things you are already familiar with, but when the Defense Intelligence Agency heard about hitchhikers and orbs, what kind of reaction did they have? Yeah, I mean, definitely um, the reports that were coming in were were probably disturbing to some people um, because you know, from the get-go, as I mentioned earlier, the Defense Intelligence Agency group, the team associated with Dr. Lekaski and his superiors um, signed on to looking at human effects. Um, but we did some really rigorous physics analysis, engineering analysis of some of the UFO crap. But at the same time, some of these reports were talking about poltergeist activity and strange stuff happening on Skinwalker Ranch. So, we do know that some of the people in the higher levels of Defense Intelligence Agency may have, you know, reacted skittishly to this this whole thing because the program was terminated in uh, in December of 2010. There was a lot of political stuff going on at the time. Uh, it probably wasn't the only reason, and and to my knowledge, the the fact that the Defense Intelligence Agency was studying the UFO topic. Even the UFO topic simple definition was disturbing to certain people in the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency also. You know, I mean, that an intelligence agency the size of DIA 
has a lot of different components. And we were very fortunate to have Dr. Lekatsky and his team involved with the genesis of this program. You know, another team may have just said no, absolutely no. We had a, a couple of questions from the Paracast Forum, and one of them is about one of the strange things that's been reported from uh, Skinwalker Ranch. So it's about portals that have been described. Uh, and some people think that they're uh, an opening to another dimension. So can you describe an instance of where that's been observed and, and what your thoughts on that are? So that's the question from Richard Hawkins, I should say. There, um, there were two incidents, actually, uh, on Skinwalker Ranch. One happened during the NIDS era and one happened during the OSAP era. So during the NIDS era, and it was reported in the book Hunt for the Skinwalker, uh, two of the investigators were, and this happened in uh, August of uh, 1997, two of the investigators were, were on a ridge overlooking an area that had been a, a lot of different activity had happened on the on in this particular area down what what was called homestead two on skinwalker ranch um, and they were just packing up for the night it was about 2 a.m in the morning they were kind of tired they'd been out there all all night and um one of them noticed this kind of dirty red or uh, dirty yellow light that was down by it was about 200 feet below them on the on a track uh on the property and so they started looking at it and it seemed like it was getting bigger and then so they started they decided to un start unpacking their all of the equipment that they had and one of them took out a um a, a pair of generation three night vision binoculars and started looking at this dirty yellow what, they, what looked like a dirty yellow light that was expanding. And through the night vision binoculars, he saw something completely different. What he saw was like a, a three-dimensional tunnel um, of light. And through that three-dimensional tunnel, there was something that looked like a humanoid creature was, was actually crawling through this. It looked like a three-dimensional tunnel. Uh, this, this thing came, crawled through onto the ground outside this three-dimensional tunnel, stood up and then vanished into the night. Meanwhile, the other guys sitting beside this investigator with the night vision binoculars didn't have the night vision with him. And all he saw was this dirty yellow light that got bigger and bigger and seemed to like expand, but it was nothing that was particularly remarkable Whereas the guy with the night vision binoculars that was looking in the infrared part of the spectrum saw this completely different tapestry unfolding through him. And it looked like something that was crawling through uh, a tunnel. So um, after maybe 10, 15 minutes, um, this dirty yellow light sort of collapsed in on itself and then just dissipated. But these two guys were were sitting up on Skinwalker Ridge, absolutely petrified because whatever had stood up in the night and vanished into the night, they knew was probably in the environment, in the location. So they waited for a long, long time before they started making their way down from the ridge back onto the track so they, they could come back to the, uh, you know, the, the control center which was located on the east side of the ranch about a mile away so 
Um, that was one occasion where, uh, through the use of uh, night vision binoculars, and these were these were um, am amplification of ambient light um, technology, so they were capable of seeing into the infrared part of the spectrum up to about 3,000 nanometers. So they were capable of seeing beyond the visible uh, region of the spectrum, which is what the human eye can see. Um, so that's an instance of uh, that something happened um, that was only visible in uh, night vision, you know, with night vision te technology. And it did seem to indicate that something bizarre was happening um, with this creature crawling through a tunnel. But, you know, there was very little we could do in terms of, um, you know, putting a, an interpretation on what had happened. Uh, and there's a second incident that happened during the OSAP era that's actually documented in the book in Skinwalkers of the Pentagon. And that, that goes into when these three military officers were walking along what actually was the same track, and it was um, all the way down towards Homestead 2. They could see Homestead 2 in the distance when suddenly the temperature dropped about 15 degrees, like very, very quickly. So they, they stopped and they couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, they retreated and, um, you know, the temperature went back to normal. They went forward again. The temperature went down again. So they started proceeding cautiously. But uh, every step they took, they started feeling more and more uneasy. And uneasiness turned into alarm and alarm turned into fear. Let's but do our break here. We'll continue with that description from Colin Kelleher with Colm and Jean and Kurt, you're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on this special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com you've heard that supply lines are down or moving slow or moving slow and that most everything costs more these days costs more these days but good news high quality sunny bay products are in stock and ready to ship now because they're made in the usa like our extra long neck heating pads they provide soothing relief to painful sore necks and backs are microwavable and come in a variety of colors and patterns what a great gift an extra long neck heating pad from sunny bay also available in lavender scented buy now in time for the holidays and avoid any shipping delays available on amazon walmart etsy and sunny-bay.com just search
search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. They're great for men or women, are reusable and easy to clean. So this year, give the gift of pain relief and extra long neck wrap from Sunny Bay. Remember, just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Order now when our stock is high and shipping is fast. And happy holidays from Sunny Bay. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamil Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGaday.com with Longevity. TeamGaday.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. You can continue now on this description of this, to me, would be a frightening event. Yeah, so so these these three military people had all seen combat in in Iraq and Afghanistan. These were people not prone to getting nervous or fearful. They had been in firefights. They they knew what the the feeling of fear and adrenaline was. But the closer, the more that they walked towards Homestead 2, the greater the level of fear um, that they experienced. They got to the stage where all three of them stopped and they they essentially conferred with each other and said, you know, do you feel anything? And they all sort of, all three of them felt this intense level of fear that was close to, you know, panic. And one of these guys had a night vision device with them and he looked down towards the uh, Homestead 2. And there on the track of Homestead 2 was this area, it was an oval area of blackness that was maybe 10 feet tall. You know, as I said, these night division, night vision devices amplify ambient light. So low levels of ambient light will look like 
a lot of light. But in the middle of this light, there was this oval area of complete darkness. And, you know, these guys felt this level of fear that went beyond anything that they had experienced during combat. And they decided, you know, to prudently be to retreat back to the command center, which was about a mile to their east. So they, they proceeded east and then, you know, they de debriefed. I interviewed uh, two out of the three of them uh, in the ensuing months. And, you know, both of them said that the level of fear that they experienced was beyond that anything that they had ever experienced before. So something in the, in, in the, in the, through the night vision binoculars that they had seen, that this guy had seen, this oval area seemed to be like a no-go area at that time on the ranch because the next day uh, all three of them decided to walk that same path during the daylight hours and they walked all the way past Homestead 2, all the way past Homestead 3 to the very western uh, perimeter of Skinwalker Ranch. They didn't feel anything. The dog, there was a couple of dogs with them. They just kind of playing around as if nothing was happening. But yet on the previous evening, they had felt fear beyond anything that they had felt in a, in a combat situation. So both, both of those effects occurred sort of many years, you know, between each other. Uh, but both of them had the common effect of looking through night vision binoculars or night division devices and seeing an awful lot more than the human eye can see. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot to, to take in. I'm sure that was very far outside what the, uh, the Defense Intelligence Agency was expecting. Um, another thing about this, this loosely connects to, to Skinwalker Ranch. I wanted to ask this. This is a question about cattle mutilations, which you mentioned were sometimes found there. Uh, forum member Rusty Shackelford asks about your 2004 book, Brain Trust, which suggests that cattle mutilations are part of a covert government program to study mad cow disease or to monitor, monitor the progress of it. In the years since the book was published, have you come any come across any additional information that supports that or either leads you to believe it's something else? Um, well, going back to the, the NIDS era, um, which was 1996 to 2002, give or take, um, the NIDS team uh, had a full-time veterinarian on staff. Uh, so we were really fortunate that we were able to essentially conduct rapid reaction um, you know, uh, investigations of cattle mutilations. And we were able to get to animals um, that had been mutilated sometimes less than 24 hours after the, the, the uh, surgery or whatever had taken place. And so we, we took a lot of samples. We had, uh, we had a lot of chemical analysis. We had a lot of histology analysis, all of that. And so in some, some situations, uh, we found um, we found medical equipment. Uh, we found evidences of sedatives in some of the animals, but not all of the animals. I mean, we literally studied dozens of different cattle mutilations over the six-year period. We had we had um, a lot of really good relationships with uh, law enforcement officers in the western part of the United States everywhere in Montana and New Mexico and Arizona, California, uh, South Dakota, 
Washington State, etc. So we were able to get a prize very quickly of a, a cattle mutilation case. And so, like I said, sometimes we would find evidence that, you know, these were not sort of totally exotic uh, cattle mutilations, but there was a small subset of cases um, that we encountered that was definitely very weird, very bizarre, and that was not it was not the sort of uh, the, the, the cattle mutilations that I'd be describing with, you know, sometimes there were sedatives found in the animals. And we're, we're talking about uh, they were discovered as a result of biochemical analysis um, of tissues and blood in the, uh, in the animal. Uh, so um, from that, the Brain Trust book that I wrote uh, proposed a hypothesis that um, – some cattle mutilations are utilizing the the you know the real cattle mutilation phenomenon which exists as a sort of a cover for investigation of transmission of infectious entities like viruses or like bacteria or like uh, prions which are the basis of mad cow disease um, in the wild in the field. It's not the kind of data that you can actually. Um, come up with, um, you know, just by sampling um, abattoirs and, and um, you know, plants where, where cattle are killed. Um, so the possibility existed that um, cattle mutilations were being used as a cover for, um, you know, they were using the real cattle mutilations mutilation phenomenon to essentially run a series of uh, tracking experiments. Um, now, the, the the relationship with cattle mutilations and prion disease has vastly expanded, uh, or, or I should say that the relationship between prion diseases and all known cases of dementia have vastly expanded since I wrote that book in 2004. And now we have multiple different families of dementia um, that are associated with the prion-like behavior of proteins that give rise to neurodegenerative diseases. And that's everything from Alzheimer's disease all the way out to Christian Kretzfeldt-Jakob disease, which is the the human variation of mad cow disease. So long story short is that there is, has been an explosion of the prion-like behavior in proteins, and the research has all confirmed this since 2004. Colin, let's break it here, and we'll continue that discussion. More to okay. come with Gene. Our special guest co-host is Kurt Collins. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the mineral doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for life too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422.
What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented Made in America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. USA Radio News. I'm Brad Bernards. President Joe Biden on Tuesday ordered a record 50 million barrels of oil released from America's strategic reserve, aiming to bring down gasoline and other costs in coordination with other major energy-consuming nations. On MSNBC, Democrat Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland says it will help, but we need to get off fossil fuels. Well, it it will have an impact. Uh, the, The challenge, of course, is we have to transition off of the fossil fuels to renewable fuels. We need to do that for our economy. We need to do it for our environment. The South African Medical Association debunked the hysteria over the Omicron COVID variant on Saturday. Angelique Kotze, the chairwoman of the South African Medical Association, and now says the new variant known as the Omicron causes unusual but mild symptoms. This is USA Radio News. This week's meeting between five U.S. lawmakers and Taiwan's president, carried out in defiance of China's wishes, bolsters the United States' intentions to stand behind Taiwan against the threat being posed by Beijing, China expert Gordon Chang said on Newsmax. And if we make a clear commitment to defend Taiwan, if we offer a mutual defense treaty to Taiwan, there will be no war because China will be deterred. There will be war if we are unclear, and that's my great concern. Meanwhile, Chang said he doesn't know how the Biden administration will respond if Beijing orders a military strike on Taiwan. Outside parties may attempt to exploit the killings at a Christmas parade in Wisconsin. The two U.S. senators who represent the state said in a rare joint statement on Saturday. The exploitation would be for political purposes, Democrat Senator Tammy Baldwin and Republican Senator Ron Johnson said. This is USA Radio News. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? Ninety-two thousand dollars ouch the irs left no room for jake to breathe they put a lien on my house took all the money out of my bank account took money out of my paychecks so it was a nightmare he needed help fast i figured that all these companies were the same until i called federal tax management you could just tell they knew what they were talking about right then and there i felt like i had some hope stop the liens levies and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special irs programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt so how did it go for jake they did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. I have one question before you continue with that column, and that is, 
Have you, in connection with researching mad cow, with cattle mutilations, come into contact with Chris O'Brien? Yes, we've interacted in in the past. And uh, yeah, I I know Chris O'Brien. I don't know him, but I've read his books. Um, I've been in email contact with him way back in the NIDS era. We had him as co-host for about a decade on this show. Ah, small world. You want to continue with that description before we move on? Yeah, well, the, the bottom line is that, that the ending of NIDS in two, 2002 really is when the catamulation studies ended. There has not been, to my knowledge, any follow-up research after the NIDS group disbanded into that relationship of catamutilations. I mean, catamutilations investigations are extremely resource intensive because if you don't have a qualified veterinarian on on standing over the animal very quickly after death has occurred, you're essentially wasting your time because decomposition sets in and the whole whole process obliterates any evidence, decomposition obliterates any evidence of what has actually happened to bring this animal down. And in the summer, you know, summer months especially, decomposition is extremely rapid. So that's the first point. Second point is, from a catamutilation perspective, you know, you've got to have the ability to do chemical analysis. You've got to have the ability to do histology analysis and uh, good forensic investigations. And we were very lucky at uh, National Institute for Discovery Science because we did have those kinds of resources to, uh, to investigate. So unfortunately, to my knowledge, since the NIDS effort was disbanded, um, I'm not aware of any other follow-up investigations of cattle mutilations that applied the same level of forensic analysis as the NIDS group did, because that's really the only way of continuing hypothesizing a relationship between dementia, cattle mutilations, and the real, uh, you know, the real sort of activity of groups that may be involved in infectious disease research. Is there any connection, slight or major, between cattle mutilations and UFOs? We looked for that uh, relationship. We talked to a lot of the uh, law enforcement people in, you know, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, California. Um, We got descriptions from people of uh, there seemed to be a correlation between um, unusual lights in the sky and the appearance of these dead cattle. We had a very good relationship with Captain Keith Wolverton, who was uh, uh, deputy sheriff in uh, Montana. He was uh, stationed outside Malmstrom Air Force Base in the late 1970s. And his descriptions of the UFO activity that occurred in the vicinity of Malmstrom Air Force Base, including a lot of activity around the missile, the various missile sites, up there corresponded very closely with a complete epidemic of cattle mutilations that occurred in his jurisdiction in the late 1970s. He said for a three-year period, there were literally dozens of cattle mutilations that seemed to coincide with these 
you know, UFOs that were being reported from the Air Force Base. But, you know, correlation doesn't necessarily imply causation. So uh, we were never able to establish a link between the UFO activity and the cattle mutilations. It seemed like they were uh, together in, in places like, you know, Malstrom Air Force Base, Montana, but we could never actually close that circle. Have you looked into any of the reports at all where UFOs appear to have some kind of interference factor involving nuclear installations? Yes, we uh, we we did do we did do some during the OSAP program. We did investigate uh, some of the cases that were involved in the so-called uh, Northern Tier sightings um, that were associated with the you know the the Northern Tier the Wordsmith Air Force Base, Loring Air Force Base in Maine, Malstrom Air Force Base, and Minot Air Force Base in uh, North Dakota. Um, and the, what, there did seem to be a, uh, a correlation with um, some of the interest and some of the activity that was associated with these northern tier bases. We actually uh, went all the way to... Um, we, we, we got a, a meeting with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, AFOSI, in uh, Washington, D.C., and that was a first, by the way, because um, to, get, to get in the door of AFOSI is a very difficult thing, and to interact with this, uh, this unit of AFOSI called AFOSI-PJ, which is the kind of the, the special operations unit, um, and we also interacted with uh, Colonel Barry Hennessy, and all of this is described in the book. Bottom line is that there, there did seem to be um, an overlap, even from Colonel Hennessy's perspective, that there were objects seen in the vicinity of these nuclear uh, weapons, Air Force bases, that were definitely not um, United States aircraft um, they were uh, they were completely uh, performance wise and location and activity wise they were completely different from anything that the United States had. So um, there was definitely a correlation we discovered uh, between those. And obviously, I I think that the sort of gold standard of the uh, research that's been done in this field was Robert Hastings and the book that he published on UFOs and nukes. I mean, I think the work that he has done has surpassed um, an awful lot of what has been done in the field. Well, certainly here, he's someone we've had on the Paracast on several occasions. A lot of fascinating stuff. Now, of course, this takes us back to the Pentagon's UAP task force and now the new agency renamed, which will be hopefully more comprehensive. One of the criticisms I had made of the original task force report is that it treated the UFO as a very localized phenomenon involving just mostly the naval sightings. Of course, we all know there's so much to talk about. We've covered some of it here, and we can do 12 more shows on it. But the question is here, now that we've got this other organization, we've now got the funding that hopefully will come in the next budget, do you expect it to expand? I mean, will the Pentagon admit there are physiological effects? 
Well, that that's one of the um, the reasons I was very optimistic when I read uh, Senator Gillibrand's um, amendment. And whether or not that amendment is adopted, obviously, it's going to be subjected to clo- behind closed doors negotiations, etc. But you know, the wording that's that's in that amendment specifically, I mean, they actually include the phrase uh, adverse physiological effects. They also include health-related effects. So, I mean, and it also includes conduct field investigations. Those words from where I'm sitting, they mean that they're going to go beyond interviewing F-18 pilots. If the Gillibrand Amendment is adopted and, you know, uh, actually signed into law, um, there is a possibility at least that there will be uh, some attempt to go beyond, um, you know, taking just sensor-derived, uh, you know, uh, data from from F-18s or even from pilots who are who are piloting F-18s or radar data or using the extensive network of of satellite monitoring data that the United States military has. We've got one more segment with Colm Kelleher and Gene and Kurt. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Folks, looks like food shortages are here and going to stick around. Supply chains are breaking down and inflation is back with a vengeance. It's all part of the shortage economy. What used to be unthinkable is now in the headlines. Are you ready? Do you currently have a stockpile of emergency food at home? If not, go to MyPatriotSupply.com today and you'll find an emergency food kit that's right for you and your family. My Patriot Supply is the largest preparedness company in America, serving millions of families like yours. Pick up a three-month food kit that stays fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage. The meals in the kit provide over 2,000 delicious calories a day. That's important when you need to survive. Order from MyPatriotSupply.com and your food will ship fast in unmarked boxes to protect your privacy. Don't wait for permission or more empty store shelves. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com now. MyPatriotSupply.com You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. 
And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. 7 million children suffer from asthma more than any other chronic disease. Most asthma attacks are caused by allergic reactions to allergens, including those left behind by cockroaches and mice. In fact, 82% of U.S. households contain mouse allergens, and cockroaches are found in up to 98% of urban homes. How can you protect your family? Find out at PestWorld.org. A message from the National Pest Management Association and the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. I need some extra money. Do I qualify for the Earned Income Tax Credit? Use the EITC Assistant Tool. With just a little information, this tool helps you calculate eligibility with ease and accuracy. Get an estimate of how much credit you qualify for and get a printout of your results before you prepare your return or visit your tax preparer. To use the EITC Assistant Tool and see if you're eligible to claim a credit, visit irs.gov EITC. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Colin Kelleher is with us, and folks, I think you know we're going to have him back in the near future. We're covering so many areas of discussion. You never know where we're going to go. I'm going to go with this right here because it is the question everybody asks, and we haven't approached it as a possible solution. Yourself, personally, I'm not going to put you on the spot except a little bit. Do you think that there is an off-world ET connection with UFOs or not? I think, I think the UFO phenomenon has got progressively more complex. The more uh, resources we throw at it, the more, you know, the, the more we study it, the more complex it gets. So... I do believe that there's an intelligence, that there's a technology that interacts with humans. And I do believe that from, from some of the data that we've got from, uh, from the OSAP program, I do believe that there is an area that we could really, um, I think, study in the future. And that is, you know, what effects psychologically and in terms of human consciousness what effects do UFOs have uh, over a long period of time? I, I don't know um, if we're talking about off-world or if we're talking about, you know, interdimensional or we're talking about any of that stuff. But I do know that UFOs do have profound effects on human physiology and psychology. And, you know, one of the things that we proposed in the book from a physiological perspective is that we are – 
beautifully set up and all we need is resources obviously but we are beautifully set up to actually study from the immune system perspective what effects ufo's have in the in the short term and the long term and you know the immune system i i studied immunology a while back in my earlier career the immune system is the perfect information processing organ in the body and it just happens to be extremely accessible because all you need to do is take a blood sample and then once you take a blood sample there is the technology here to really closely deep dive into what cells and what parts of the immune system might be affected in terms of all of the chemistry associated with that now if you combine that with sort of advanced imaging and what effects it might have on the brain i think you've got a really good handle on looking at the human being as a readout system and i'm not talking about sort of uh, quote unquote human experimentation or any of that stuff i'm talking about fully hyper regulated studies that might shed some light on these deep dive effects uh within the human being and then conversely uh what's happening with the science of human consciousness and i believe that there's fertile ground with some of the revolutions that are happening with human consciousness in the last 10 years i mean i think there's been a tremendous level of advances that we could actually take advantage of again given resources in pursuing this so i i think there's a tremendous future in the proper team being mobilized with the proper resources uh to fully study the impact of this technology on human beings because i think that's the bottom line i mean you take away human beings from the planet and i don't know do ufo show up i don't know well there are some people who believe in a collective unconscious as the answer but the other question i'm going to ask you because i have nine more and kurt has 36 questions to ask you probably a lot more and that is the theory has been on the part of some people in the ufo field that the government knows a lot of this stuff but just hasn't disclosed it going back to the early years things like roswell do you think there was something happening at roswell or was it an experiment a project mogul balloon or something like that nids actually never looked at roswell it's kind of uh it's kind of interesting but we tended to focus on cases that were happening in real time and so we never devoted a lot of resources to looking back and looking into roswell so i personally am not in any way an expert on either roswell or any of these quote unquote crash retrieval cases that have occurred so i guess the bottom line is i don't know but i can tell you that from discussing these cases with people who are in the various intelligence agencies in the united states government that there have been massive cleaning efforts as the, the so-called transition from paper to digital data that has occurred you know 10 20 years ago has resulted in the destruction of an awful lot of paper data and a lot of relevant paper data that pertains to these topics so if those records were there you know certainly a lot of stuff has gone by the wayside the other part of this is that you know there may have been expertise in various agencies and departments in the United States government back in the 50s and 60s there's been a tremendous attrition 
of that expertise over time. And the question is, has it been replaced by the kind of capability that you really need to take a serious look at this topic? Um, from my sort of superficial reactions with uh, with these people in various departments in the United States government, I don't know. I would kind of doubt it. So therefore, it could very well be that they had the secret of the UFOs, but it went into the shredder. I think that's a possibility that, you know, we can't ignore. I mean, I've been told stories from a number of people in the intelligence agencies, different intelligence agencies, of literally, you know, a very short time period being given to people during this paper transition to digital transition, where there are literally people wheeling down these big garbage trucks down the aisles of, of these uh, buildings. And people are saying, OK, you've got to re- get rid of these stuff in the next 36 hours or 48 hours. And so there was not a really sort of uh, very careful way of disposing of a lot of paper records. It was tending to be done on very tight deadlines. So that means that mistakes were made. So some of these records may not still you know, be in existence. Well, just think that the Roswell spaceship goes into the recycling facility, never to be seen again. Or the one from Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where it's placed in Warehouse 13, a dusty old place, and we are never able to see it again. I can almost believe that, that they know things, and because of military compartmentalization and things like that, possible secrecy. I'm just shooting from the hip here that really important stuff goes away. So does the government know the secret of UFOs? You know, it could have been thrown well, away because nobody put the things together. We're just about out of time, sir. Could you tell our listeners if they have more interest in what you do, where can they find you? I'm presently working at Bigelow Institute of Consciousness Studies. And of course, this book can be obtained from Amazon and the usual offenders. Yes, um, it, it's it's mostly obtainable uh, via Amazon because um, it's basically the easiest way to publish these days. Right, create space. Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, an insider's account of the government's secret UFO program. Colm Kelleher is one of the co-authors. We hope to have him back in the very near future and possibly George Knapp and other of the co-authors as well. You can find us on Twitter. If you look for the Paracast, you can also find the Paracast on Facebook. If you want to dig into Facebook, I have kind of mixed feelings about Facebook. We also offer branded merchandise where you have the logos on T-shirts and throw pillows and things like that. For more information, go to theparacast.shop. Once again, that's theparacast.shop. We also offer the Paracast Plus a special version of the show that's free of the network ads, higher quality audio, higher bit rate, and we also offer the exclusive After the Paracast podcast where Kurt Collins and I are going to have a lot to say about this episode of the Paracast. You want to tune in? To do that, you got to subscribe. Go to theparacast.plus. Special offer, limited time only. Use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20. You get a 20% discount on the five-year or lifetime memberships. The Paracast.plus. Colin Kelleher, thank you so much for joining us this week on The Paracast. 
It's been a pleasure. Great, great talking to both of you. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.